0: Hello Lime Ninjas and welcome to episode 85 of Lime Ninja Radio. I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and with us from lovely La Jolla, California, is our certified show producer and the brains behind our business, Aurora.
1: Excited to share today's interview with Paula Jackson Joan, who's sharing her work in Central Maine. But before we get into today's episode, we want to let you know about our free Lime Ninja Brainwave Breathing Cheat Sheet.
0: You all know the symptoms of Lyme Brain, which causes problems accessing words, names, you forget things, you get easily confused, overwhelmed. That happens to me even though I haven't really had a serious Lyme flare in years. Some experts believe one of the reasons behind brain fog is the disynchronization between the left and right hemispheres of the brain. It's as if the brain is having problems talking to itself. The other thing that I notice in many of my Lyme patients is that their blood oxygen levels tends to be a little bit low. So I think their body's using a lot of oxygen. So it helps to have the blood levels fully oxygenated so you can help fight the Lyme. Anyway, this led me to develop brainwave breathing. And brainwave breathing is a simple and powerful technique that can help clear brain fog. It's easy, anybody can do it anywhere, and it works. One of our listeners, Lime Ninja Jilowese B, says,
1: Brainwave breathing helps me to mentally relax. It has meditative quality, too, and it definitely helps me focus. There really is no negative aspect to this technique. I even did it while driving my car. It may have looked odd, but who cares?
0: So if you want to get your free Brainwave breathing cheat sheet and the video training that comes along with that just going over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and you'll get a pop-up just sign up for the email list and you'll get the details that's LimeNinjaRadio.com and for any reason if you have problems just send me an email at info at com. Okay Aurora why don't you tell us a little bit about today's Lime Ninja Paula Jackson-Jones.
1: Uh, Jackson Jones is the president and co- co-founder of Mid- Coast Lyme Disease Support and Education, a nonprofit 501c3 organization that serves the needs of Midcoast, Maine's Lyme community since 2014. And Midcoast Lyme Disease Support and Education is thrilled to announce their second annual Midcoast Lyme Disease Support and Education Conference taking place on Saturday, April 30th, 2016, in Wiscasset. Is that how you pronounce it? It's either
0: Wiscasset or Wiscasset. I'm not sure.
1: (laughs) Any people in Maine, I'm sorry if I mispronounced Forgive us. Uh, But But some of the speakers at this conference are going to be Dr. Daniel Cameron, the past president of ILADS. Bob Gigari from Igenics and Dorothy Leland of org.
0: Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with Lime Ninja, Paula Jackson-Jones.
2: We're still having winter right now.
0: Are you we're really? Is... Snow
2: this, you know, yeah, we had a little bit of snow this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that's the end of it.
0: Well, <laughs> it is.
2: We're not having snow by the time the conference rolls around. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because we've got a lot of people that have um, reached out to us that are coming. um, I mean, from northern Maine to come down here, people can travel five and a half hours just to get here. We have people coming from Vermont, New York, Rhode Island, Maryland, Delaware, a couple from uh, Virginia. Last year, we had a family from Michigan drive their RV all the way out to our conference. And they parked right in front of the community center. We knew who they were because we knew they were coming when this big RV drove in and they came because their son had Lyme disease and there was nobody where they lived in Michigan, there was nobody who was willing to help him or or who could help him. And um, they heard about our conference. They heard about who we were going to have and they trekked all the way out from Michigan to Maine and got connected with a provider in New Hampshire which was sort of amazing to us that a family would go that far. But at the same time, those of us who have been through this is really nothing that you wouldn't do to to try to get better. So I consider myself fortunate to live in Maine because we do have line providers here. Um, You know, it's not like if I lived in the southern part of the states or even out west where, you know, they're still struggling to even have providers there. So I do feel fortunate that we do have providers here in New England that people can go to. Um, you know.
0: Yeah, it's wonderful. It's good to hear that things are starting to break up a little bit, and um, the you know the the guidelines from the IDSA are starting to get pushed aside a little bit here and there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know things are not. Things, things have never been black and white.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we, we live in a gray area, but it's sort of different shades of gray now. Yeah. Um, I was telling somebody that this morning. It's like it's, it's like some things that used to be so difficult are now less difficult. Um, you know, there's, there's still some hurdles that we have to climb, like with the insurances and stuff like that. But, you know, now people in the state of Maine, um, whether you're, you've got an acute case or whether you've got a chronic case or whether you've got a complicated case, they can find somebody who has the additional training, who has um, the knowledge of, of what you know, chronic Lyme or tick-borne disease infections look like. They have the resources and the, the, the knowledge to reach out to, say, Igenics or other labs. They know what testing and how to read the results of the testing are. And they have um, big toolboxes. You know, they have a lot of protocol that they can use they don't just stick with one protocol they have all these different protocols and they they talk to each other and they're not afraid to talk to each other and you know so i really feel like the people in maine have have um a good platform um but we still fight there's still people who still go to their primary care doctor there's people who still are told they're not sick when they are sick or that they're cured when they're still sick. Mm-hmm. And eventually they make their way around and they find out about our organization and, and we kind of go from there. But, you know, I, I feel like we do have a, have it a little bit better than some of the other states that are still just fighting just to have one recognized.
0: Yeah. I was so. just talking to a patient today and she was having to fight tooth and nail just to get a test mm-hmm. done and her, no. daughter even had uh, the history of a tick bite and a rash, <laughs> although not a bullseye rash. And just the doctor was like, nope, not going to do it. Right. Like, at least, you know, and we know the test is no good, but at least run the test. Come on.
2: <laughs> right. And we have doctors here that are just so against even thinking along the lines of chronic Lyme. Yeah. We, our organization, we run five active support groups and we had a woman... Show up at one of our support groups and she was in tears and she just said, my doctor looked at me and said, you're too sick to have chronic Lyme. Huh. And I think everybody in the group at that moment looked at her and we all kind of felt a little dumbfounded Yeah, because it's like, well, how sick do you have to be? And this com- this is coming from a local provider who a doesn't even be he doesn't even believe in chronic Lyme so he wouldn't even recognize it if it was standing in front of him. And it was. But for him, and it was. But yeah. for him to tell her, "You're too sick yeah. to have chronic Lyme," I'm like, yeah. "Really?"
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's you know? just yeah, that's just the dumb part oh. of brain engaged. They're stressed. Yeah. They're running around. They're trying to get somebody out of their office, and they just say oh. stupid things. Oh sure. That's one of those stupid things. It's like, come on. So when is is your conference?
2: Our conference is on Saturday, April 30th. We are just under the three-week mark now.
0: And where is it?
2: It's in Wiscasset, Maine, which is here in the Midcoast region. It's from 8 to 5. Doors and registration open and start at 7.30. And it is free to all who attend. We had it free last year. We were able to, through the generous donations of the business owners and private donations and through two educational grants, we were able to have all of our conference expenses covered so that we could offer it to people free of charge. And last year, we had over 300 show up.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Good job.
2: So. This year, again, we're doing it. I know some conferences have have just like a nominal fee. We always accept donations at the door, and that always helps us with other incidental fees that we have. But if we can have all of the conference expenses covered, and this year we we won, uh, we were awarded, again, two educational grants, um, and we got um, lots of business donations and private donations. It was enough to cover our advertising expenses and the expenses that are associated with the conference so that we could once again offer it free of charge
0: to people. Well, that's fabulous. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. And I see that Dr. Cameron's gonna be there. He's your keynote.
2: Yes, he's our keynote. We're absolutely thrilled. Um, this this conference agenda came together so smoothly. Um, Dorothy Leland of the lymedisease.org uh, had actually reached out to me last fall. I had got, been in touch with her last year and it it just didn't work out for her to come and speak last year she was going to be traveling um and this year in the fall when we were first planning it when we had our date um I get an email from her and she said are you guys having another conference mm-hmm. would you like me to come and speak and I was just floored I was like absolutely absolutely we want you to come and um have you looked at her access? book yes yes I have it's fabulous yep, I'm absolutely thrilled I'm yep. thrilled that she's going to come and share her book. She's going to share, um, you know, her knowledge and education with us. And um, we're going to have um, some of her books available for sale at the conference as well. Um, she's going to be shipping some of those up to us as well. Um, we had Pat Smith last year, and she was a really big hit. She, she was really able to put things in perspective. Um, and I reached out to Pat, and Pat agreed to come. So I spoke to um, the other co-founder, Angel Rice, and I looked at her and I said, you know, we have the Lyme Disease Association coming, and we have Lymedisease.org. What are the chances that we could get somebody from ILabs to come? You know, that would just be absolutely perfect.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so I just, I reached out, and um, I sent an email to Dr. Cameron. And I think probably a week or two later, um, his manager of his office gave me a call back, and said that Dr. Cameron accepted my invitation to come and be our keynote speaker, and that just opened the doors and the lines of communication from that point forward. And we were just thrilled; we were absolutely thrilled that we were having the, you know, the top three Lyme disease organizations being represented um, by the heads of these organizations coming to this little small town in, in Maine. You know, but it's where the we're in the epicenter of this epidemic for the state. It's right here. The mid-coast region is the hardest hit. Um, so we thought, who better than to bring in, you know, the, the presidents of these these organizations to come in and just speak, um, you know, like they do in front of Congress and in front of all of these other major organizations in these huge cities that they speak in front of. They're coming to little old West at Maine, and they're bringing with them, you know, all of their – their knowledge and their information and stuff that we need to know about. Yeah. And because of that, we've opened it up to the medical community.
0: Oh, fabulous.
2: And we are offering, um, because of the caliber of our speakers mm-hmm. and the caliber of the information that they're delivering, we're able to offer CE credits That's to great. different medical providers, um, naturopathic doctors, RNs, and FNPs that come to the conference are able to get CE credits. Um, and those are the people that are usually dealing one on one with the patients.
0: They're on the front lines.
2: They are the front lines, and we thought we need to really get them up to speed. Yeah. The doctors go in and out in a flash. You know, these RNs and the FNPs need to know what's going on.
0: Yep. I've heard doctors. We're thrilled
2: that Bob's coming back from Igenix. We're thrilled to have Bob come back.
0: Yeah, and expl- uh, explain the, the importance of good testing. Or better testing. Oh,
2: absolutely. I mean, I can do it to a degree. But to listen to Bob, I've heard him speak probably three or four times now. He's come not only to our conference last year. I've seen him at other conferences. And he did come to one of our support meetings. We gathered a bunch of people in town and, and opened it up. And we had a big turnout for the town. But to hear him really dissect what's wrong with the current testing. And then why iGenics can find the things that these other labs and these other tests can't find. Mm -hmm. It makes complete sense to even, you know, Joe Schmo off the street who's sitting there in the front line, you know, who's gotten like three negative tests, but he's still sick and he can't figure out why I've sat there and I've listened to Bob engage with these people and he just takes something so complicated and he makes it so simple for them to understand the why. Yeah.
0: You know. I've tried to get him on my show, and the email that I had didn't get through to him. Oh.
2: I have two emails for him, and I never know which one he's going to answer. So anytime I communicate with him, I send him the both <laughs> emails at the same time.
0: I have, I have the wrong one. <laughs> well, was, I
2: can share them with you. I won't do it now in case we're on the air, but I will certainly uh, share yeah. them with you.
0: <laughs> we, we are, I am recording um i okay. just always always start and it seems fine if um i always uh, we have the option because it's it's um recorded to cut out sure. parts that need to be cut out or or whatever sure. or just awkward um sure. and the other thing so this is it's a bonus to learn about your conference cuz okay. originally you contacted me about this letter that you wrote yes and I would love for you to read it for me. Can you do that?
3: Uh probably. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have it up I on my screen, can. but
2: let me pull it up on mine. Hold on one
0: second. It's absolutely um, beautiful.
3: Well thank you.
0: And then mm-hmm. and then I'm interested in asking you some questions about like your own response to writing it and then to to reading it again because there's something powerful about writing that creates some some distance so in a lot of traditions we meditative traditions you're trying to cultivate an observer and i would say in even even religious traditions so yeah. that there's some separation between kind of your earthly sufferings and yeah. and you yourself your heavenly self and Writing is an amazing way to go about doing that.
2: Yeah. And I will share with you, before I started writing this, um, the morning that I sat down at the computer to write this, I had no idea I was going to write this. Yes. I had no idea. I yes. Just, I had this unsettledness inside of me. hmm I had gotten up. I had already had one cup of coffee. I had had my breakfast. I didn't have any plans for the day I just felt uneasy I felt unsettled I wasn't really sure why and so I went into my I have, um I work from home I have an office in my home I went in and I just sat down and turned on my computer checked a couple of emails and next thing I knew I had opened up um, a Word document
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I just started typing I just started typing and Um, I don't want to say like I went into a zone or anything like that, but I really didn't realize what I was doing until I got to the very end. And when I got to the very end and I finished my letter, I was sobbing. I was absolutely sobbing. So it was something that needed to come out. Yes. And I just wasn't aware that I was even doing it until I I had reached the end of it.
0: Yes. Absolutely brilliant. Do you know the writer Flannery O'Connor? no she's a a a southern writer and and in some ways she's considered to to write kind of these dark um stories and and they're they're set in the south but really they're they're about humanity at a very deep level and two things reading her her a little bit of a biography it sounds like she had lyme disease
2: Oh, I bet there's a lot of people that have had Lyme disease and didn't realize it. You know,
0: it it it, it was yep. phenomenal. But one one yep. of her quotes is, "I write to discover what I know." Yeah. And you yeah. know, that's exactly what you described. It's like it's right there, but the difference between thinking and writing is massive, or talking to yourself and writing is massive. You, you 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 get to see again, you get it's gets separated from you. your words get separated from you, and it's just a powerful, right. powerful experience.
2: Well, they say that you know writing and journaling is very therapeutic for people and and a lot of times people say they don't even know where they would begin. and i I tell people just pick up the pen. Yeah, just pick up the pen. and I don't care if you're jotting circles and from your circles you start drawing a sad face or you start, you know, Whatever, just pick up the pen. Or in my case, just turn on the computer and just sit there and just wait and see what comes out because I think we will surprise ourselves. Because even now, I can't read my letter without feeling emotional by the time I get to the end of it.
0: Well, we'll pause. And, and, it, and if I have we need distanced
2: to. myself from it a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't gotten to the point where I feel like I'm reading someone else's letter yet. Yeah. You know, I haven't quite distanced myself from that, so. Um, okay. So um, the Mighty actually published my letter and they gave it the header. And it's, it's um, they called it a letter to myself before Lyme disease rebuilt me into something greater. That's probably something I never would have thought of because um, I never really gave it a header. I just called it Dear Paula 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I sat at the computer and I just wrote this Dear Paula 2009. I know this is going to sound strange, but in just a few short months, something is going to happen to you, something you are not expecting, something you didn't ask for or were even aware that could happen. Your life is going to change in ways you never fathomed. I'm writing this letter in hopes to prepare you and bring you some comfort for what lies ahead is not pretty or easy. I know that you consider yourself a strong, resilient woman. I know what you've been through, what you've survived. I'm here to remind you that all that strength will be needed and used. All those coping skills will become an asset in ways you never thought you'd have to use them. I'm here to assure you that you will survive it, even though there will be times that you will cry out to God to call you home. When the pain is so unbearable, it supersedes any other thought. I'm writing this letter because I know how you think and how you operate, and I want to tell you that what you think and what you know will be challenged. People you trust will fail you, turn their backs on you, and walk away. They will mock you because they won't understand what you are going through. I know how frustrated you will become because you won't understand it either. You'll want compassion and support, and I'm here to tell you that you will get it, but in the most unconventional forms. Don't worry about the ones who let you down and walk away because they're just going to make room for all the new people who will come into your life, people who will share this journey with you who understand you in ways even those closest cannot. They will inspire you with their stories, educate you with their experience, and encourage you to fight the good fight. Stay the course, and one day they will recruit you to join them as a fellow Lyme disease warrior, educator, advocator, and supporter. I'm writing this letter because although your body will break down and you will lose sight of the woman you once knew, you will be rebuilt into something stronger and greater. Now listen, you survived all those things before this, and this path will straighten you, strengthen you even more. It will grow you in a direction you never thought about, but are needed in. And as you grow, you will have all the support you need for every step of the way. I need you to remember this part because you will lose every ounce of strength you have. Even the most mundane daily chores will be taken from you. You will be attacked from all sides, physically, mentally, and emotionally. I am writing this letter to assure you that although there will be some very dark moments filled with some of the worst pain you've ever felt, you won't be alone. Your cries will be heard. Your tears collected. All your ashes will be saved and restored one day. I am here as living proof that you will survive this pain, the darkness, the despair, and even the heartbreak of everything that you will lose. I am here to tell you that pride won't get you anywhere. You will have to ask for help. It will humble you, and from there you will grow. There are lessons to be learned, and whether you want to or not, you will learn them. Now, this next part of the letter may be difficult to read and even harder to grasp. I'm writing this letter to tell you that those doctors you've placed all your trust and faith in will fail you on the first part of your journey. They will challenge you and exasperate you. You're going to face some difficult times and hear some not-so-nice things. You're going to feel alone and desperate. You're going to feel lost and hopeless, but I'm here to remind you to stay the course. Don't give up because hope is out there. You just need to keep going and connect the dots. You're going to have to listen to others who have gone down this path, and you're going to need to filter things and do your own research. That part I know you will love. The frustration will come from the many walls you hit, but keep hitting them, for one day they will crumble, and you will see a path that will take you in a different direction. Please trust me, you want to take this path. I am writing this letter because as unconventional as this path may seem, it is going to save your life. You won't understand a lot at first, but the people you meet on this path will teach you and they will do so in ways so you fully understand everything and know what to expect. They will stay close to you and they will check in on you. You will never feel alone again. They will empower you with their unconventional ways empower you to want to get better, to want to make a difference for others. I'm writing this letter because I don't want you to give up hope. I can't say how long this bend in the road will be, for I am still here on this journey seven years later, but so much better than I ever was. I can say now I never thought this day would come, but it did. I will tell you that you will get better, but not before you get worse. And this is just part of the course, but remember these words, you will feel better, and you will see your life going in a new direction. I know when you first become sick, you're going to think that this will pass, and I'm here to tell you that it will, but it will take time. It will get worse before it gets better. That's just how chronic illnesses work. I'm here to tell you this illness will forever change your life. It will break you down physically as it grows you spiritually. It will strengthen core values within you that have been ignored and make them a priority. It will change your outlook on life and set your feet on a new path. You won't know where you are going or when you will get there, but that won't matter because you'll enjoy all the stops and the people that you meet along the way. I'm writing this letter because I know you will find all of this hard to believe. Doctors turning their backs, insurance wars, outdated guidelines by the Infectious Disease Society of America and the Centers for Disease Control Misdiagnosis after misdiagnosis and failed treatment. I know you and I know how you think, but trust me, it will be bad. It will be frustrating. It will make you scream at doctors and it will reduce you to tears in public settings. You won't care anymore, but I'm here to tell you, do not give up. There will be many stumbling blocks, but you will advance. You will need to lean on these new friends and borrow some of their strength until you regain yours. Just remember to pay it forward. I'm writing this letter to tell you to keep pushing forward. Don't take no for an answer. When you hit a wall, keep pounding until it crumbles. And when you feel lost, cry out, for there are people who are there to help you. When you feel alone, lift your head and look at the thousands who stand with you. You won't know or even remember all their names, but you'll know their stories, and that's the connection that will forever link you to each other and strengthen one another, even from a distance. It's that connection that will take a, de- a debilitating disease that can weaken even the strongest, toughest person and make them lime strong. Love, Paula in 2016.
0: That's incredible.
2: <laughs> now, after I wrote this, I had um, the picture that is, that is in my letter. The picture is me participating in my first ever 5K walk-run for Lyme disease awareness. I had never done a 5K in my life, ever, ever. Never trained. I'm not an athlete. Um, I had gotten a phone call from my doctor saying that I was in remission, and that afternoon I signed up for the 5K I finished that 5K. I was the second to the last person to cross that line, but I finished it. And a friend of mine who organized it um, snapped the pictures of me as I crossed the finish line. And um, those pictures now stay with this letter. And, um, you know, sometimes I just sit there and I just look at it. And um, it just reminds me that there's nothing... Absolutely nothing that, that I can't overcome in time. You know, even though I, I want it now, you know, that in time, everything will come. And just to never give up. Never, ever give up. doesn't matter if you don't finish first as long as you finish. That's all that matters. Just don't give up. And um, I think that's kind of what caused, what prompted me to write this letter. I think that was the unfinishedness inside of me what was so unsettling unsettled inside of me that morning that I decided to write this. This all just had to come out. And um, I didn't even realize I was carrying it around inside of me. I thought I had put it behind me. I thought I was done dealing with it. Um, but then I began um, meeting people
3: mm-hmm. in a
2: different capacity. I wasn't meeting them as a Lyme sufferer. I was meeting them as... Um, I was in remission now. So I'm, I'm now a a survivor. Um, but I, I was looking at these people and these people were reaching out that are support groups and I could just hear in their voices. I, I knew what they were going through. And, um, at some point I just sat down and I wrote all this down and, um, I've shared it several times. Um, one, disease.org has shared it. The Mighty has shared it. It's been on our Facebook page and stuff like that. And um, I've gotten emails from people who have read it and they're just, they're just in tears. Yeah. They read it just at the right point mm-hmm. in their journey. It, it gave them that extra gusto that they needed to just keep going because, you know, I, I've been there when my dad went through cancer. I supported my husband through cancer. Mm-hmm those fights were nothing compared to what I went through with this Lyme disease.
0: There's and that ex, extra layer of social shunning yes. that happens with Lyme.
2: Yep. Yep. There's people that, that come up to me when I'm at an event and they say, um, you know, oh, I, I have a tick bite or, or I think I have a tick bite. I'm gonna, they're going to go to their doctor. They are heading to their doctor. Uh, fully expecting their doctor to just embrace this idea that, okay, you've been bit by a tick, you might have Lyme, you might have a tick-borne disease, we're going to treat you. If you don't get better, we're going to keep treating you. Don't worry, we're going to take care of you. And that is just not the way it is. That is not the first layer of defense that you go through. Um, Most people just keep hitting the wall, and they just get rejected after rejection after rejection, And, um, you know, these, these doctors knowingly or unknowingly, they just add to the weight of this illness to people and they just destroy what fight is left inside of you. Um, and that's another reason why I wrote this. It's just, you know, breathing in between the lines, just don't give up, advocate for yourself. And, um, I think that's what prompted me to co-found the Mid-Coast Lyme Disease Support and Education, we do all of that stuff right here in the Mid-Coast region of Maine. Um, We have people outside the Mid-Coast region of Maine that that reach out to us for help, and we just don't have those contacts for them out there. But there's people that are willing to drive to this area just to meet with the doctors that we know that can help people. Yeah,
3: exactly.
2: You know, people are, are just willing to do whatever it takes to actually just get with a doctor who has some compassion. Yeah. Who believes them. Yeah. Who believes them.
0: How long did it take before you had a, a proper diagnosis? Uh,
2: just just over two years. Okay. Um,
0: long yeah, enough. I,
2: not as long as most people that I hear that have suffered for years and years and years and years and years. And, mm-hmm. years and, I, and I in no way diminish their suffering. Um, you know, I only remember being bit by one tick. Mm -hmm. That was it. I'm not really an outdoorsy person. I'm kind of a girly girl. Mm -hmm. So I think I would know if there was a tick on me.
0: (laughs) Uh, And the rest of the house would know too.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. And the neighborhood. Um, So, you know, I'm outside doing yard work with my husband. We come inside, you know, taking my shirt off to get in the shower and he's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, what's on your side? Well, there was a tick. We Mm -hmm. took it off, didn't think anything of it. Nobody's talking about Lyme disease or ticks at this time. Right. Um, You know, and in two years' time, I went from being very active, very social, very outgoing, to I could barely talk. I could barely walk. Yeah. Um, I was tripping. I could not put thoughts together. I was shaking. Mm. I was choking when I would eat. Um,
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: You know, when I... When I actually get up and tell my story in front of people, I, I have to stop because it's almost like a form of PTSD.
0: Yeah, sure.
2: it all it all comes back to me. yeah and um, it just I, I just I stop and I am just so thankful for where I am today and for what I'm able to do to help other people, but I don't take any of this for granted. You know, it's something that we all took for granted before we got sick, and uh, to just be able to get out of bed and, and go to the bathroom and brush your teeth and brush your hair hmm. on your own, without having to have somebody help you with that. Um,
0: a return to childhood. You know, there's yeah. I my office window overlooks a kind of a, a small parking, agway parking lot. We live in a small town, and there's some children yeah. who walk to and from school, and the younger yeah. children just can't contain themselves. It's like they're running or skipping because everything's an adventure. You know, and then, then we get older and cooler and wiser and, and, and more cynical. And we do start taking things for granted. And, right. you know, and that, that's, that's one of the silver linings for being what you've been through is, is just to really be able to appreciate every single moment.
2: And I think that is what prompted me to um, co-found this nonprofit organization. This is what I do. This is my job now. I don't get paid. Mm -hmm. My time is still volunteer. I work from home. We run the five support groups. We do year-round speaking engagements and Lyme disease awareness events several times a month. Um, You know, I think about what I went through and I hear so many stories just within the community that I live in and then within the region that I live in. And I feel like I have to give back. I feel like I have to share what I know
3: mm-hmm.
2: to lessen their burden, to shorten their journey to wellness. Um, I, I don't want somebody to go through what I've been through. And I have people that come up to me and they tell me just how degrading their doctor was in talking with
3: them. Right.
2: And, um, You know, I I just wish at that point that I had been able to get to them ahead of time. But we all go down this road. We all get passed around from doctor to doctor. We all hit those walls, and um, and I think it makes us appreciate when we actually do get with the the right doctor. Mm -hmm. It really helps us to appreciate it. And, again, you know, my journey was not as long as most people's. But for me, it was severe enough, and it was life-changing for me that it it changed the way I even looked going forward. Sure. Um, You know, but in the letter I do reference God and I talk about, you know, the spiritual side. Um, I don't, people ask me, you know, what got you through your treatment and stuff? And at one point I was ready to die. Mm -hmm. I was preparing myself to die. And at some point in the middle of the night, one night when I'm laying on the bathroom floor Mm -hmm. at my absolute sickest, I knew I was not going to die. I just somehow I just knew it, and from the next morning on, instead of preparing to die, I was focusing on living. And mm-hmm. the journey from that point forward was still another three and a half years. Um, but once I got better, I I knew what I had to do. Right. It was it was sort of a no brainer. It's like I know what I have to do. I have to help every. I have to help people. That's just what I have to do.
0: I have a little bit of a nosy question here, and but I think it'll be okay. So when you finally got diagnosed, did you get help from a layperson or a friend that you know passed you some information or said, "Geez, this sounds like it could be Lyme"? Do you know what I mean? Or
2: yeah, I do, I do. And actually, um, it was back when I back before I got diagnosed. It was when I was really sick. It was probably six months into being sick, that my sister-in-law
3: hmm.
2: said to me, um, you know, geez, your your symptoms sound an awful lot like my friend. And she's had Lyme for over 20 years. Yeah. So, you know, we, we would have that conversation. And then I would go back to the doctors again. And I would go back with this time with different symptoms. And um, I would bring it up.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, they would always just kind of dismiss it. And then I would bring it up again. And... I would, you know, go home and my sister-in-law would always check in with me and I would tell her, you know, this is what's going on with me now. And she's like, geez, you know, I really think, you, you know, you really need to push this. And so, um, you know, what, with what little strength I had at my next appointment, um, I walked in there and I just, I demanded mm-hmm. a Lyme disease test mm-hmm. and it came back negative. Mm-hmm. Now this was months, months, months after being bitten. And we all know that, you know, it can kind of go stealth and build its biofilm around itself and stuff like that. So what I know now makes complete sense. But back then I thought, well, I don't have wine. Right. You know, I just don't have it. Um, My sister-in-law just kept coming at me. She's like, I'm telling you, I think this is what you have. And I'm looking it up as best as I can on the internet. And I'm like, I don't know. So I went back to the doctors again. And this time, You know, I was like, you know, I really think and, um, you know, I don't remember every single doctor appointment I went to, but this particular one I do because the doctor turned around and slammed her hand on the exam table yeah, and looked at me and pointed her finger right at me. I was in the chair and she said, you do not have Lyme. We tested you. If you insist that you have Lyme, we're going to dismiss you as a patient. Yeah. And I just sat there and I just started shaking and I didn't really know she's the doctor. I'm the patient. Did I overstep the line? What's going on? I tried to advocate for myself and I was put in my place. Right. And um, even now to this day, that doctor is still at that particular, Mm -hmm. um, you know, office. And I have heard through the grapevine that, you know, she picks and chooses who she wants to treat and she treats everybody a little differently. So, you know, whether she learned anything from me or not, I have no idea, but there's still, um you know, they're, they're still a long ways from from accepting chronic Lyme and, and recognizing it when it steps into their office. But um, because it's something that I went through,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I can relate to it when other people come to me and say, well, geez, my doctor, you know, he's starting to get a little ugly about this and stuff. And I, and that's when I say to people, you know, don't, you know, don't desecrate your relationship with your primary care doctor because you're going to need them for other things in your life. But if you really, truly, in your heart of hearts, feel that you have been exposed to Lyme or tick-borne disease, maybe you've even been tested or treated, um, but you're still sick, you know, get with me, get with our group. We will get you with a Lyme-literate provider. You don't have to keep going back to your primary care doctor and just really ruffling their tail feathers because they're just going to take it out on you, and you're going to be the one who suffers in the end. But what we do tell people is sign those releases so that when you're with a Lyme letter provider and they're ordering all the right tests and they're doing all the right, um, you know, testing, blood tests, MRIs or whatnot, and and all the clinical notes and stuff like that, if things are coming back and you're responding to treatment or whatnot, sign off on those notes. Have your Lyme doctor send that information back to your primary. That's how they learn. Mm-hmm. If they read them, they're going to look and they're going to say, well, she's the one that fell through the crack, but maybe I'll pay attention to the next one that comes in. Right. You know, it, right. It, You know. They, they're going to look at it. They're going to argue with us because we're just the patient. But if there's actual blood work coming back or, you know, clinical notes or whatnot, they might stop and actually look at it.
0: Right. And yeah. I think that's hasty. Yeah, I think that's you bring up three points to to mind. And the first is is one of my little soapboxes, and it's simply that we're at the the point in this disease where the diagnosis is done over the backyard fence,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know. And that's really that's why I asked your story, because I'm almost everybody's is, and I I like to hear those stories, because really that's. That's how Lyme's being diagnosed. Now, yes, yep. then you go on eventually to a Lyme literate doctor and they confirm the diagnosis, but it's somebody right. in your neighborhood, somebody in your sphere of influence who says, you know, this sounds an awful lot like and uh right. it's 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 very helpful. So that's A. B, your point about how doctors learn. They're not lay people. They're 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 precisely trained, they have precise definitions, they use language in a much different way, in a much more technical way, and and you're right, you can't, you can't go and, and beat them up because I, I have a doctor who's a patient, he even brings up the point, you know, even saying Lyme disease shuts their yeah. mind. You need to, because it's very specific. You'd be better off going into the office and say, gee, I wonder if I have Borreliosis. Right. And just saying Borreliosis instead of Lyme disease just means yeah. that it's an infection from a Borrelia and it's nonspecific. So they start thinking in a different way. Right. It's just those small things. And when we say Lyme disease, I'm sure you're like me, I'm thinking of Babesia and Bartonella and right. Mycoplasma and all the different varieties. Hey, I'm not thinking anything specific, but these guys, they're trained. So they, they right. so sending the doctor's notes back is a brilliant. I love that idea. I, I yeah. just absolutely love that idea. And I got so excited, I forgot the third one. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, one of the things, like where we live, um, it's very common for ticks to carry something other than the Borrelia burgdorferi. Of course. AA a Lyme disease. So, you know, I'm trying to change not only how doctors view people, but also how people view themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get people to understand, hey, I was bit by a tick. This tick could carry multiple things, or it could just be carrying Babesia. Yeah. And I'm looking for a bullseye, and we all know that you don't get a bullseye with babesia. Right. So if you don't get a bullseye, then your you know the tick test that your primary is running on you, of course, it's going to come back negative mm-hmm. because it's only looking for the Borrelia burgdorferi strain. Yeah. So that's part of where the whole educational part comes into it. It's like, okay, you got bit by a tick. What if it wasn't carrying Lyme, but it was carrying erlichiosis? And it's... what if the early symptoms of erlichiosis because in your head you're thinking I got bit by a tick, I got Lyme disease. Yes. What if we got to get people to think I got bit by a tick? I could have a tick-borne disease, and and leave it open-ended to that because then your doctor's going to think, hmm, maybe I need to run a full panel on you because you live in an area where ehrlichiosis is high and babesia is high, you know? Because by just doing the Alyssa test, you're you're uh, missing. So many other infections that you could possibly have. Mm -hmm. When that comes back negative, your doctor says, "Good news, you don't have Lyme disease." Yeah. (laughs) So the patient goes, "Great, good news, I don't have Lyme disease," and then two or three weeks later, they're like, "Wow, I really feel rotten. Why do I feel rotten?" So you go back to your doctor, and they're like, "Well, we ruled out Lyme disease. Can't be Lyme. Let's go down this rabbit hole. Yes. And and waste more money and spend all of your insurance dollars and." And in the meantime, if you are infected with a tick-borne disease, while I'm looking down this rabbit hole, you're just going to get sicker and sicker and sicker. Right. And then we'll put you on prednisone. what's wrong with you, yeah. I'm going to send you to a counselor. Yes. Because it must be in your head.
0: It's a, if I can't find it, it's got to be in your head. Right.
2: And that's one of the speakers that I wanted to bring up. It's the only one that we didn't talk about at the beginning, and that's Dr. Sheila Statlander. Who is the clinical psychologist she's coming to talk about the role of the mental health practitioner in assessing and treating tick-borne diseases because so many people end up on the couch in the counselor's office and we have been doing this we've been working um, with NASW which is the National Association of Social Workers here in Maine They've been doing some line training so that when people actually end up in their offices, they know, am I dealing with a mental health issue? Or is this something that could be caused right. by is it, a
0: tick-borne is it infection? Physiologically based. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I exactly. just interviewed and we just released an interview with Lori Dennis. She's a yeah. therapist. Do you know her?
2: I do. She's actually, um, yeah, she's one of my new friends.
0: Good, cause you need to connect those two. Because she's yeah. very interested. She's a therapist. She's up in Toronto, yeah. and her son uh, has Lyme, and so that's yeah. her that's her entree into this world. But she's on board with everything you're saying, and she, she's very motivated. She's yeah. got a book coming out in the fall. It's it's going to be brilliant, and and yeah. she can help bring this. I I think you're probably going to have more luck in the beginning with with uh, therapist being somebody over the backyard fence helping with these diagnoses as well.
2: Sure. Well, I think the idea is is just to cover all the bases. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if your primary can't help you, then there is a Lyme literate doctor somewhere in your community or within the region that you live in that can help you. If your primary wants to send you off to a therapist, at least, you know, have the therapist aware that this mm-hmm. is what exists and have them trained to actually be able to recognize it and assess it. In their patients,
0: right. Um, so, so they know they're dealing with trauma as opposed to, exactly. you know, childhood exactly. issues exactly. or yep. whatever. Yeah, yep. brilliant.
2: So that's what we have going on here in the Midcoast region of Maine—the
0: <laughs> <laughs> center of the universe, apparently. The center
2: of the universe <laughs> with cats Maine. Yes.
0: Yep. Well, it's been absolutely delightful speaking with you and as a way to wrap up I want to give you the last word in terms of websites or contact information sure how can people get hold of you and find out about the conference
2: absolutely Uh, well we've got a very long website we're trying to shorten it up a little bit but um, all the information about our organization and our website you can find us at www.midcoast.com logspot.com. We also have a Facebook page Midcoast Lyme Disease Support and if anybody wants to reach me directly my email is lymewarrior247365 at gmail.com
0: I'll make sure and I'm I, always
2: going to talk with folks.
0: Yeah, I'll make sure I put those in the show notes so people can just click on them. Yeah. So if you're listening in your car, you can just go on, on over to the Lime Ninja <laughs> website and click on the interview with Paula Jackson Jones and you'll get all that information.
2: Wonderful. Well, thank you for having me on your show. It was, it was great talking with you and sharing my letter with you.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for reading it. That takes a lot of courage and I really appreciate it. No
2: problem.
1: Self-forgiveness has been popping up as a theme, it seems like, over the past several months of our interviews.
0: Aurora, that's a really, really interesting insight, and I want to hear, I want to know what you mean by that.
1: Well, going on with with what Paula wrote in her letter, it seems like her sense of self got destroyed because of that disease. And I think that happened. I, I, I see that happening in a lot of these, a lot of people's stories, you know, from Aaron, who, you know, who literally had to grieve her life to, to Amy, who had to give up her, to have to give up her job in, in Los Angeles and and now with Paula. And I think that, Lyme disease destroys your sense of self in a way. And for Paula, she had to, she had to remind herself that she still was her underneath all of that. But it seems like the turning point in these people's journey and these people's health uh, comes from forgiving themselves of that anger and frustration that they, that they felt for themselves for, for being overcome by this disease.
0: Thank you, Aurora. That's a beautiful insight into what we hear happening again and again with people who are battling day-to-day with Lyme. I think it's a great point you make. And if you, our listeners, need more Lyme Ninja in your life, make sure you subscribe to us on your iPhone or iPad. That way you won't miss out on great conversations like these. And while you're over there in the iTunes world, leave us a a review, and here's a review that one of our listeners, Gwen Diane, recently left for us.
1: Lime Ninja is the best place to learn about Lyme and how other Limeys got well. They cover a lot of different remedies, supplements, and programs. They cover this by talking with folks that have Lyme or researchers, lab specialists, or doctors that know how the bacteria, viruses live and die. Not every episode has a takeaway for you, but it's very possible the next will. One thing that stands out with the podcast is the quality of the sound and organization. I can listen easily. McKay has a clear speaking voice, and that means a lot to me. Probably a line thing, but I do appreciate that.
0: So if you're listening on your iPhone, search for us on the podcast app, And to search for Lime Ninja Radio, you find the search icon at the bottom right of your screen. Tap on that little button, and then you have to type in Lime Ninja Radio and then when the search is complete you should see a big green ninja button with a lime ninja there and you tap on that and that takes you to another screen so this sounds really really complicated but it's really not that bad this is all on your iphone or your ipad then once you're on this new screen you tap the review buttons right in the middle and then scroll down just a tiny little bit and you'll see write a review link below and that's where all the fun begins so go ahead and tap on that and make sure to leave us five stars and a review so yes
1: indeed please leave us five stars we'd like that (laughs) absolutely
0: so thanks again aurora for all your help today and thank you ninjas by leaving a review on itunes you'll help more people find great information about lyme disease and last this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the lyme ninja fact of the day
1: You might kill two birds with one stone, but a ninja can kill two stones with one bird. (laughs) ¶¶